Chapter Four, Part One of Miss Map. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Miss Map by E. F. Benson. Chapter Four, Part One. The dyer, as Diva had feared, proved perfidious, and it was not till the next morning that her maid brought her the parcel containing the coat and skirt of the projected costume. Diva had already done her marketing, so that she might have no other calls on her time to interfere with the tacking on of the bunches of pink roses, and she hoped to have the dress finished in time for Elizabeth's afternoon bridge-party next day, an invitation to which had just reached her. She had also settled to have a cold lunch to-day, so that her cook as well as her parlour-maid could devote themselves to the job. She herself had taken the jacket for decoration, and was just tacking the first rose on to the collar, when she looked out of the window, and what she saw caused her needle to fall from her nerveless hand. Tripping along the opposite pavement was Elizabeth. She had on a dress, the material of which, after a moment's gaze, Diva identified— it was that corn-coloured coat and skirt which she had worn so much last spring. But the collar, the cuffs, the waistband, and the hem of the skirt were covered with staring red poppies. Next moment she called to remembrance the chintz that had once covered Elizabeth's sofa in the garden-room. Diva wasted no time but rang the bell. She had to make certain. Janet, she said, go straight out into the high street, and walk close behind Miss Mapp, look very carefully at her dress, see if the poppies on it are of chintz. Janet's face fell. Why, ma'am, she's never gone, and— she began. Quick, said Diva, in a strangled voice. Diva watched from her window. Janet went out, looked this way and that, spied the quarry, and skimmed up the high street on feet that twinkled as fast as her mistress's. She came back much out of breath, with speed and indignation. "'Yes, ma'am,' she said, "'they're chintz, sure enough, tacked on, too, just as you were meaning to do. Oh, ma'am!' Janet quite appreciated the magnitude of the calamity, and her voice failed. "'What are we to do, ma'am?' she added. Diva did not reply for a moment, but sat with eyes closed in profound and concentrated thought. It required no reflection to decide how impossible it was to appear herself to-morrow, in a dress which seemed to ape the costume which all Tilling had seen Elizabeth wearing to-day. And at first it looked as if there was nothing to be done with all those laboriously acquired bunches of rosebuds, for it was clearly out of the question to use them as decoration for any costume, and idle to think of sewing them back into the snipped and gashed curtains. She looked at the purple skirt and coat that hungered for their flowers, and then she looked at Janet. Janet was a short, roundabout person. It was ill-naturedly supposed that she had much the same figure as her mistress. Then the light broke, dazzling and diabolical, and Diva bounced to her feet, blinded by its splendour. "'My coat and skirt are yours, Janet,' she said. "'Get on with the work, both of you. Bustle. Cover it with roses. Have it finished to-night. Wear it to-morrow. Wear it always.' She gave a loud cackle of laughter and threaded her needle. "'Lor, ma'am,' said Janet, admiringly, "'that's a teaser, and thank you, ma'am.' "'It was roses, roses all the way.' 
Diva had quite miscalculated the number required, and there were sufficient not only to cover collar, cuffs, and border of the skirt with them, but to make another line of them six inches above the hem. Original and gorgeous as the dress would be, it was yet a sort of parody of Elizabeth's costume, which was attracting so much interest and attention as she popped in and out of shops to-day. To-morrow that would be worn by Janet, and Janet, or Diva was much mistaken, should encourage her friends to get permission to use up old bits of chintz. Very likely chintz decoration would become quite a vogue among the servant-maids of Tilling. How Elizabeth had got hold of the idea mattered nothing, but anyhow she would be surfeited with the idea before Diva had finished with her. It was possible, of course, anything was possible, that it had occurred to her independently, but Diva was loath to give so innocent an ancestry to her adoption of it. It was far more sensible to take for granted that she had got wind of Diva's intention by some odious underhand piece of spying. What that might be must be investigated, and probably determined, later, but at present the business of Janet's roses eclipsed every other interest. Miss Mapp's shopping that morning was unusually prolonged, for it was important that every woman in Tilling should see the poppies on the corn-coloured ground, and know that she had worn that dress before Diva appeared in some mean adaptation of it. Though the total cost of her entire purchases hardly amounted to a shilling, she went in and out of an amazing number of shops, and made a prodigious series of inquiries into the price of commodities that ranged from motor-cars to sealing-wax, and often entered a shop twice because, wreathed in smiling apologies for her stupidity, she had forgotten what she was told the first time. By twelve o'clock she was satisfied that practically everybody, with one exception, had seen her, and that her costume had aroused a deep sense of jealousy and angry admiration. So cunning was the handiwork of herself, Withers, and Mary, that she felt fairly sure that no one had the slightest notion of how this decoration of poppies was accomplished, for Evie had run round her in small mouse-like circles, murmuring to herself, "'Very effective idea! Is it woven into the cloth, Elizabeth? Dear me, I wonder where I could get some like it!' And Mrs. Poppet had followed her all up the street, with eyes glued to the hem of her skirt, and a completely puzzled face. But then, so thought Elizabeth sweetly, even members of the Order of the British Empire can't have everything their own way. As for the Major, he had simply come to a dead stop when he bounced out of his house as she passed, and said something very gallant and appropriate. Even the absence of that one inhabitant of Tilling, dear Diva, did not strike a jarring note in this paean of triumph, for Miss Mapp was quite satisfied that Diva was busy indoors, working her fingers to the bone over the application of bunches of roses, and, as usual, she was perfectly correct in her conjecture. But dear Diva would have to see the new frock to-morrow afternoon, at the latest when she came to the bridge-party. Perhaps she would then, for the first time, be wearing the roses herself, and everybody would very pleasantly pity her. This was so rapturous a thought, that when Miss Mab, after her prolonged shopping and with her almost empty basket, passed Mr. Hopkins standing outside his shop on her return home again, she gave him her usual smile, though without meeting his eye, and tried to forget how much of him she had seen yesterday. Perhaps she might speak to him to-morrow and gradually resume ordinary relations, 
for the prices at the other fish-shop were as high as the quality of the fish was low. She told herself that there was nothing actually immoral in the human skin, however embarrassing it was. Miss Mapp had experienced a cruel disappointment last night, though the triumph of this morning had done something to soothe it, for Major Benji's window had certainly been lit up to a very late hour, and so it was clear that he had not been able, twice in succession, to tear himself away from his diaries, or whatever else detained him, and go to bed at a proper time. Captain Puffin, however, had not sat up late. Indeed, he must have gone to bed quite unusually early, for his window was dark by half-past nine. To-night, again, the position was reversed, and it seemed that Major Benji was good and Captain Puffin was bad. On the whole, then, there was cause for thankfulness, and as she added a tin of biscuits and two jars of bovril to her prudent stores, she found herself a conscious sceptic about those Roman roads. Diaries, perhaps, were a little different, for egoism was a more potent force than archaeology, and for her part she now definitely believed that Roman roads spelt some form of drink. She was sorry to believe it, but it was her duty to believe something of the kind, and she really did not know what else to believe. She did not go so far as mentally to accuse him of drunkenness, but considering the way he absorbed red-currant fool, it was clear that he was no foe to alcohol, and probably watered the Roman roads with it. With her vivid imagination she pictured him. Miss Mapp recalled herself from this melancholy reflection, and put up her hand just in time to save a bottle of bovril, which she had put on the top shelf in front of the sack of flour, from tumbling to the ground. With the latest additions she had made to her larder, it required considerable ingenuity to fit all the tins and packages in, and for a while she diverted her mind from Captain Puffin's drinking to her own eating. But by careful packing and balancing she managed to stow everything away with sufficient economy of space to allow her to shut the door, and then put the card-table in place again. It was then late, and with a fond look at her sweet flowers sleeping in the moonlight, she went to bed. Captain Puffin's sitting-room was still alight, and even as she deplored this his shadow in profile crossed the blind. Shadows were queer things. She could make a beautiful shadow-rabbit on the wall by a dexterous interlacement of fingers and thumbs, and certainly this shadow, in the momentary glance she had of it, appeared to have a large moustache. She could make nothing whatever out of that, except to suppose that just as fingers and thumbs became a rabbit, so his nose became a moustache, for he could not have grown one since he came back from golf. She was out early for her shopping next morning, for there were some delicacies to be purchased for her bridge-party, more particularly some little chocolate cakes she had lately discovered which looked very small and innocent, but were in reality of so cloying and substantial a nature that the partaker thereof would probably not feel capable of making any serious inroads into other provisions. Naturally she was much on the alert to-day, for it was more than possible that Diva's dress was finished and in evidence. What colour it would be she did not know, but a large quantity of rosebuds would, even at a distance, make identification easy. Diva was certainly not at her window this morning, so it seemed more than probable that they would soon meet. 
Far away, just crossing the high street at the farther end, she caught sight of a bright patch of purple, very much of the required shape. There was surely a pink border round the skirt, and a pink panel on the collar, and just as surely Mrs. Bartlett, recognizable for her gliding mouse-like walk, was moving in its fascinating wake. Then the purple patch vanished into a shop, and Miss Mapp, all smiles and poppies, went with her basket up the street. Presently she encountered Evie, who, also all smiles, seemed to have some communication to make, but only got as far as, "'Have you seen?' when she gave a little squeal of laughter, quite inexplicable, and glided into some dark entry. A minute afterwards the purple patch suddenly appeared from a shop, and almost collided with her. It was not Diva at all, but Diva's Janet. The shock was so indescribably severe that Miss Mapp's smile was frozen, so to speak, as by some sudden congealment onto her face, and did not thaw off it till she had reached the sharp turn at the end of the street, where she leaned heavily on the railing, and breathed through her nose. A light autumnal mist overlay the miles of marsh, but the sun was already drinking it up, promising the Tillingites another golden day. The tidal river was at the flood, and the bright water lapped the bases of the turf-covered banks that kept it within its course. Beyond that was the tram-station, towards which presently Major Benjy and Captain Puffin would be hurrying to catch the tram that would take them out to the golf links. The straight road across the marsh was visible, and the railway bridge. All these things were pitilessly unchanged, and Miss Mapp noted them blankly, until rage began to restore the numbed current of her mental process. If the records of history contained any similar instance of such treachery and low cunning as was involved in this plot of divas to dress Janet in the rosebud chintz, Miss Mapp would have liked to be told clearly and distinctly what it was. She could trace the workings of Diva's base mind with absolute accuracy, and if all the archangels in the hierarchy of heaven had assured her that Diva had originally intended the rosebuds for Janet, she would have scorned them for their clumsy perjury. Diva had designed and executed that dress for herself, and just because Miss Mapp's ingenuity— inspired by the two rosebuds that had fluttered out of the window, had forestalled her, she had taken this fiendish revenge. It was impossible to pervade the high street covered with chintz poppies, when a parlour-maid was being equally pervasive in chintz rosebuds, and what was to be done with this frock, executed with such mirth and malice by Withers, Mary and herself she had no idea. She might just as well give it to Withers, for she could no longer wear it herself, or tear the poppies from the hem and bestrew the high street with them. Miss Mapp's face froze into immobility again, for here, trundling swiftly towards her, was Diva herself. Diva appeared not to see her till she got quite close. "'Morning, Elizabeth,' she said. "'Seen my Janet anywhere?' "'No,' said Miss Mapp. "'Janet?' no doubt, according to instructions received, popped out of a shop and came towards her mistress. "'Here she is,' said Diva. "'All right, Janet, you can go home. I'll see to the other things.' "'It's a lovely day,' said Miss Mapp. 
beginning to lash her tail. So bright. Yes, pretty trimming of poppies, said Diva. Janet's got rosebuds. This was too much. Diva, I didn't think it of you, said Miss Mapp in a shaking voice. You saw my new frock yesterday, and you were filled with malice and envy, Diva, just because I had thought of using flowers off an old chintz as well as you, and came out first with it. You had meant to wear that purple frock yourself, though I must say it fits Janet perfectly, and just because I was first in the field you did this. You gave Janet that frock, so that I should be dressed in the same style as your parlour-maid, and you've got a black heart, Diva. That's nonsense, said Diva firmly. Hearts as red as anybody's, and talking of black hearts doesn't become you, Elizabeth. You knew I was cutting out roses from my curtains." Miss Mapp laughed shrilly. "'Well, if I happen to notice that you've taken your chintz curtains down,' she said, with an awful distinctness that showed the wisdom teeth of which Diva had got three at the most, "'and pink bunches of roses come flying out of your window into the high street, even my poor wits, small as they are, are equal to drawing the conclusion that you are cutting roses out of curtains. Your well-known fondness for dress did the rest.' With your permission, Diva, I intend to draw exactly what conclusions I please on every occasion, including this one. "'Ho! Oh, that's how you got the idea, then,' said Diva. "'I knew you had cribbed it from me.' "'Cribbed?' asked Miss Mapp, in ironical ignorance of what so vulgar and slangy an expression meant. "'Cribbed means taking what isn't yours,' said Diva. "'Even then,' If you had only acted in a straightforward manner. Miss Mapp, shaken as with palsy, regretted that she had let slip, out of pure childlike joy, in irony, the manner in which she had obtained the poppy notion, but in a quarrel regrets are useless, and she went on again. And would you very kindly explain how or when I have acted in a manner that was not straightforward? she asked with laborious politeness. Or do I understand that a monopoly of cutting up chintz curtains for personal adornment has been bestowed on you by Act of Parliament? You knew I was meaning to make a frock with chintz roses on it, said Diva. You stole my idea, worked night and day to be first, just like you, mean behaviour. It was meaner to give that frock to Janet, said Miss Mapp. "'You can give yours to Withers,' snapped Diva. "'Much obliged, Mrs. Plaistow,' said Miss Mapp. End of chapter 4, part 1 Read by Kara Schallenberg, www.kray.org On October 13, 2008, in San Diego, California.